you're listening to a Mash Those Buttons limited series. Visit us at mashthosebuttons.com. With her new title of Chieftain, Aloy heads to the Firebreak facility with Orea and Aratok. Inside, they find out not only the identity of the spirit, but the true identity of the daemon. Welcome to episode 29 of Lightkeeper Protocol. Welcome to Lightkeeper Protocol, a podcast about our journey through Horizon Zero Dawn and Horizon Forbidden West. My name is Jarrett, but you can call me Ja, and I am here with Christina, also known as Pop-Tart. Hello. And I'd like to welcome any new listeners as well as any returning listeners. Thank you guys very much for taking up time to check out Lightkeeper Protocol. We'd love to hear what you have to say about the show and about the game, so please join us in our Discord at mash.gg slash Discord. So. Quick recap from last episode. What do we what do we do? What oh we dethroned Aratok last not really how it worked, but uh we did something which was unwise and became the, <laughs> the chieftain of a Banuk Warak without having any idea how to run a Banuk Warak. But it happened and here we are. So we uh talked to Aurea. Uh we uh found out that she's been trying to well, well I don't want to say free a spirit, but help a spirit. Uh, and, um, we don't have any additional information on that yet, but, uh, you know, the only way that we were going to be able to get to the mountain that we need to get into was to basically become chieftain of the Warrick because Aratok, the current chieftain and her brother, by the way, was not going to allow us there. So we uh, did some things to impress the Warrick. We challenged Aratok. We almost got sabotaged by some frost claws, but, uh, you know, we made it through that. And we became chieftain of the Warrick. And uh, now, now we're heading to the Firebreak. That's what we're doing in this episode. The Firebreak facility. Where Aurea was, was the auxiliary facility that they were using while they were building Firebreak. And now we're actually going into the Firebreak facility itself. So, we're going to start right outside of the Firebreak facility. In a little encampment called Long Notch. So... And actually, I don't want. I should stop saying fire break because they call it thunder's drum. That's what the people call it. They call right. it thunder's drum. <laughs> different, different break. element. Yeah, <laughs> thunder, not fire. Yeah, so that's what they call it thunder's drum, but the the the, the old ones called it the fire. You know, fire break. So we'll we'll, we'll, we'll get into it. Either way, um, Artok is there, and Aloy can speak to him. So Artok tells us that Orea. Uh, was used by the Karja to capture machines for the Sunring, and it caused her a lot of shame. And, you know, she's so obsessed with the spirit because it was the only thing that kept her going while she was captured. And, uh, you know, he says that when Aurea uh, led the work to Thunder's Drum, they encountered a new do- door where there wasn't one before, and he said it looked like a cauldron door. And, you know, so th- there, you know, I would say before the Karja raids, there was no cauldron there. But after the, you know, after the red raids were done or after Aurea was gone for a while, you know, there is a cauldron door. So obviously it was built after the fact. Right. Which for some reason, I kind of assumed that cauldrons were in the 
old world, but that wouldn't make any sense. Like this kind of, I, I think I just didn't think about like when they ended up showing up. So this kind of yeah. helps put that a little bit into perspective of like, oh, they can kind of just show up whenever, wherever. That is true. Yeah, that's the thing, because you kind of expect that, OK, well, the cauldrons are built and these are the cauldrons and that's it. But new cauldrons can pop up because yeah. the machines that built the cauldrons are still around. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, so that makes a, a ton of sense. And, then you know, this cauldron's different. We're going to get more into that once we actually enter the facility, because this was a this. All the other cauldrons we went to are just cauldrons, right? Mm -hmm. They were built specifically to build machines. But this cauldron is like built into a facility that was built for something else. So this is going to be a, a unique cauldron as well. So, uh, but yeah, they weren't able to move forward. So they tried to move back. And that's when, you know, they lost a lot of their people when they were trying to uh, return, re you know, get back from Thunder's Drum. And I mean, it probably, I would say it probably had a lot to do with the fact that our talk was probably focused on making sure Araya was safe. Right. You know, so, uh, but yeah, so you talk to Aratak, he tells you that information. And after that, Aloy heads a bit north and she meets Araya and she can talk to her. Aloy, this is it. My chance to reunite with the spirit and perhaps to reunite her with the blue light. It's not a chance I would have had alone. I needed an outsider, someone ignorant of our ways, but no, not ignorant. I... Are you trying to thank me, Aurea? Yes, of course. That's what you do. Untangle knots, create possibilities. Thank you for making this pilgrimage possible. I only wish it had not been necessary to humiliate Aratak. You were wise to let him come. He's earned the right, stubborn as stone, but he's had to be. The war demanded it, and so have I. Aratak told me you were a captive of the Karja for a long time. It sounded bad. For Aratak, it all comes back to that. He thinks the Karja changed me. They did not. They merely sharpened my focus. When all else is lost, you think about what's truly important. The spirit, the blue light, the beyond. And my brother, too. Every time I felt the chill northern wind, I thought of him, worried for him. What did the war do to Aratak? He cut away everything until only his true self remained. Unyielding ice. No Banuk has more sheer will. He fought the Karja for a thousand freezing nights, yet always rallied his hunters at sunrise. It is said he endured 23 wounds in those years. His hunters counted them. He never complains of one. Instead, he complains that life with me is harder. He's right. What have I ever given him but struggle? Now that I'm chieftain of the Werak, I don't suppose I can... Order you to tell me about silence? Aratak would never have presumed to grasp for a secret of the Conclave. But you are not Aratak. And if you have dealt with silence, your need is well apparent. Silence came to Bon Or from the distant north. A young shaman of the Owl's Watch. A remote Warrick that rarely comes south to parley. Silence was a shaman. It was. Or at least, when we sent runners to ask the Owl's Watch, they said he was. His knowledge of the machines was beyond compare, and he was hungry to trade what he knew to the rest of us. It didn't take him long to gain the trust of the Conclave, and eventually, 
an invitation to attend. What about you? Did you trust him? No. But he impressed me. He carried himself with poise and authority. I wanted to learn from him, but that was not to be. He was granted knowledge of our most sacred meeting place, the frozen caves of the Malmström, a month's march from Banur. He met with us there, as is custom at high winter. But when we next returned, the caves had been looted, relics of the old world stolen, holes cut in ice and metal. Yeah, that'd be silence, all right. He vanished with the spoils. We sent our best trackers after him. None returned. And when we checked back with the Owl's Watch, those who had vouched for him were gone, as though he never existed. Some in the Conclave began to doubt he was even Banuk to begin with. And what do you think? He committed an unforgivable sacrilege. He's unscrupulous and dangerous, but also brilliant, skilled, and knowledgeable without equal. Except, perhaps, for you. Anyone else I would warn off, but you may be able to treat with him safely. Just don't lower your guard. I'll keep that in mind, Horea. Thanks. And so Araya says that Artok is wrong about the cards are changing her. She just said it made her more focused. You know, that's she started to focus more on the important things, which the spirit was an important thing for her. And I mean, it also seems like the war with the Karja kind of changed Aratak too, because Araya said he was stripped down until nothing was left but his true self, which he says unyielding ice. And I mean, it sounds like it turned him into the warrior he is today. I mean, I feel like war kind of changes everyone right to expect people or expect them to be the same as they were before and after especially since they were so affect affected by the war is kind of uh silly <laughs> to think yeah because i mean our stayed in the cut you know the banuk essentially surrendered the cut but he stayed there to protect it because that's where he was from right and so i mean essentially he's on the front lines at that point uh, you know, she says he was severely wounded like 23 times and he never complains about it. I mean, I you get know? severely wounded 23 times in like one battle. So, I mean, I don't complain about it. Like, oh, I say I as an Aloy. Like, he's oh, I was going to say like, yeah. uh. <laughs> no, I battle with my stairs every day. So that's also accurate. Oh, yeah. Your stairs are severe, severely wounding you. Yes. <laughs> okay. I'll just leave that alone. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Aurea, she tells Aloy what happened between the Conclave and Silence. And so Silence was supposedly a shaman uh, with a wear called the Owl's Watch. And the Conclave sent people to confirm that he was indeed with the Owl's Watch and they got confirmation. So they were impressed with his knowledge of machines. They invited him to the Conclave's secret location. And the next time that they went there, because they only meet there once a year, all of their artifacts were gone and Silence had disappeared. And all those who had vouched for him and Owl's Watch were gone. They sent trackers to find him. The trackers never came back, so he probably, or he definitely killed him. And, uh, you know, Araya said he is skilled and knowledgeable without equal. And says that Aloy might be the only one that can compare to him. And I disagree. I, <laughs> I agree with you 100%. She said that. I was like, no. 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 <laughs> to be fair, though, from their perspective, like, you're the only other person that knows things about the world that nobody else knows. But right, yeah. the level is nowhere near. Nowhere near. Like, Aloy would not have made it through her journey without silence. Right, right. And she did pick up on things. I think she might be 
she might be able to adapt to things better than other people because of a mixture of who she is and her upbringing. Right. Because she's not clouded with, you know, tribal think, I guess. (laughs) I think that's a big problem with a lot of them. But yeah, also, uh, I'm I'm now wondering, like, who Silence actually is, because was he Banuk? And became a shaman, then was interested of knowledge? Or did he say, hey, if I become a shaman and get info on what they talk about at the conclave, maybe I can get more information? I think it's the latter. I think that it's the latter. I think it's the only reason why he has like those those cables through his skin. It's so he could appear to be, to be Banuk, a shaman. To be a shaman. Yeah. Yeah, because when like, they when they went back, it's not like the owl's watch was gone. They were just like, we have no idea who you're talking about, right? <laughs> you know? So he could have paid people to, to absolutely vouch for him. I mean, he chose a good warak to do that with because the thing about the owl's watch, they said, is that they rarely meet with the other wareks, so nobody really knows about them, right? So it could have been anybody. So no, he he did his research. He did he, you know what he what silence would do. So it, it makes perfect sense. So this gives us no information on who he is. <laughs> like, Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> just that he's always uh, we, shady for knowledge. Exactly. We could probably just scratch another you know tribe off the list. He's not Nora. He's not Karja. He's not Banuk. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, so. Uh, when Aloy's ready to ascend, they do warn you it's a point of no return. And then Araya and Naltuk start performing this ritual. Artak, he breaks the ice in front of a vent, and Araya waves smoke into the vent. That's the ritual. And it causes the firebreak facility door to open because it's like a fire protocol. It's detecting the smoke. And then Araya says, like, see, I too can call on the power of the old ones. And like Aloy just run, like rolls her eyes. I'm like, yeah, that was well deserved. This is <laughs> this is one of those moments where remember how I said before where I was like, Aloy's face is so much more animated than like the yeah. original game. This is specifically what I'm thinking of because she's like, okay. Yeah, sure. exactly. She's like, yeah, right. You can call on the power of the old ones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So but uh, that 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 was funny. Uh, so now you're inside the firebreak facility, uh, and not far inside there's an audio log from Kenny Chow. You know, it's been three years since he was there, but he was sent back because Anita wants him to find a way to suspend operations, and he doesn't really know why. Uh, he said he can tell by the sound of her voice, you know, something's, like, really wrong. Like, it's, you know, she said the sound of her voice was terrifying. And there's other audio logs later on where Kenny is confused about, well, how long does it need to be shut down? and. Uh, she told him that, you know, the power signatures need to be undetectable. So why do the power signatures uh, need to be undetectable? And honestly, from what we know about Project Zero Dawn and the fact that the swarm will detect, if it detects a power signature, it's going to go investigate and probably attack. So, you know, they don't say anything yet, but we can already kind of assume that this is <laughs> where this is going. Right. Especially um, the the year that this was recorded or the date is November 21st, 2064. Right. Yeah. So that's the biggest hint if you've been paying attention to dates like Christina has. So <laughs> some numbers I uh, remember. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a locked door, but after you find a way around it, there's a bunch of you know, demonic machines there, mostly watchers and like a frost bellow back. 
And it's tough to stealth through anything with Aratak and Araya because it's on site for them. As soon as they see enemies, they're shooting. <laughs> like, that's it. Is that what happened? Because I did an airstrike on the first Watcher. Yes. And yeah. then I snuck around to the other one. I did a silent strike, but it saw me before I struck. So I assumed that they went in because it saw me. No, if you do, if you, if it sees you and you complete the silent strike, it usually will not have a chance to alert the other ones. So, yeah, it was definitely the array and our talk probably got to the part where you can see down Mm -hmm. and they just started shooting. So I was like a little mad at myself because so the you need like a bellback snout for one of the side quests. And I totally walked past the bellback. Uh, and forgot to get the snout, and I had to go find a bell back somewhere else. So it was just a waste, a little, a little bit of a waste of time. I didn't do any side stuff till after, unfortunately. Ah, uh, yeah. But you didn't even loot it. I didn't even loot it. No, <laughs> I didn't even loot it because you know what happened. I was walking. I was walking up to it, and I saw that a door had opened that was closed before. I'm like, let me go check the door. And I checked the door. I was like, oh, this just leads back out the shortcut. Never mind. And I ran back in and ran upstairs and I totally forgot about it. <laughs> nice. So yeah, I didn't even loot it. But um, yeah, a bit further up, there's kind of like a fork in the road, almost to a degree. Uh, this is the area where our talking as warriors fell against the machines. Like there's a bunch of like Banuke bodies down there and supplies. And, uh, you know, our talk is like, look, it's just uh, <laughs> like all we had an entire Warrick here and we couldn't face it. Now it's just the three of us. How are we supposed to do this? And then Araya points out that uh, you can also take an alternate route and go upstairs, which is a bit more covered. Like there's more cover up there and there's also smaller machines up there. Uh, so if you go forward and fight the larger machines, there's two Scorchers and one Behemoth. It's all demonic. Uh, and the upstairs, I think, has, like, mostly, like, what is it, like, Watchers and then some Stalkers, I think. Which what side did you pick? I felt like the Stalkers would be more annoying. Yeah. <laughs> so I just went in. I just ziplined in. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't even zipline in. I just ran right up the mid. And they just, all the machines just, like, looked at me. And, like, I could just see their, like, their alert levels just slowly rising. I'm, like, and I looked to my left. I was, like, oh, I could have ziplined over here. And I'm, like, oh, well. No, but here's the thing. (laughs) And this is why, actually, now that I I think about it full circle, you're right. They do aggro the machines because I ziplined in. And that Scorcher was kind of seeing me, but I hid behind something. But the second Aratak and Araya landed, red. Yeah. Yeah, they just start they just, on site. They just yeah. start firing. They they don't they don't wait for you to start or anything like that. So, no. I mean, so to start this, I just tied all the machines down like immediately, and then this is when I think this is the first time I really started using the ice rail because those the ice rail on those scorchers. Forget about it, man. Like you just destroy them at that part at that point. I didn't use the ice rail until later on, which is like. The greatest weapon ever. I, I really regret not using it in this facility for here and future. But also when Araya was like, there's no like there's this might take a while. I was like, it's fine. I didn't check any of my supplies. I should have because after this fight, I had like hardly any wire because I was oh, like tying yeah. everything down, which worked really well in this fight. Oh, yeah, it does. And the ice rail like because of how it works like even if you fully freeze somebody they'll still be tied down at 
you do more damage than you would with like the the ice sling or the frost sling. Yeah. But you still have at least with the I would say you have at least half of your cable left, like to to keep them tied down. But uh, on the scorchers, uh, this is probably the fastest I've dealt with scorchers. Could I freeze them? Then I would notch three arrows, three like uh, hard tip arrows. Wait for it to like be at maximum power and just shoot it. It's like two shots done <laughs> with them frosted. Yeah, uh, well, not two. I guess technically speaking, six. But still, you know what I'm saying. I did something along the same lines, just with the sling and then the hard tip arrows, and they were just dead. I killed them first. And then dealt with the behemoth the after. Behemoth. Well, I didn't even have to tie him down. I just shot him a few times. Yeah, because the behemoth out of that group is the least, is, is the lowest threat. I, I, honestly, it comes down to game mechanics. I'm pretty sure the behemoth's cooldowns are longer yeah. than the scorchers' cooldowns. Yes. Because the scorchers are all over the place. They're all over the place. They're jumping, they're sliding, they're skidding, they're having fire behind them. It's all types of stuff. So, yeah. So, um, I did actually, I ended up killing the behemoth with the, I found a ravager cannon down there. So once I froze the behemoth, I just used the ravager cannon to kill it. I found the cannon after I killed everything. I was like, are you kidding (laughs) me? It's usually you can see those icons really well, but I think because of the color of the facility, you could not see those icons that well. Yeah. And that's why. So, but, um, you go up to the door there's a frost claw behind the door. And yeah, now nah, I just switched to my fire arrows at that point because, like, yeah, I mean, the, the fire really softens them up. Like, it, I think it does, like, it makes it so much easier to burst their frost juice containers, you know, and, you know, once you, once you, once you set them on fire, like, it just, it just does so much damage specifically to those areas of their body. Uh, I was using Tear Blast for a while on the Frost Claws, but it's like the armor that you knock off feels like it doesn't even matter. It it doesn't really. I think what I did for this one was I I definitely tied it down because I, I still had wire. I didn't realize I was running out at this point. Right. Uh, I tied it down and I was using the sticky grenades. I was using them on like everything. They're so great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I did try the sticky grenade thing on the uh, on a, a Stormbird later on, mm-hmm. but it was like, I couldn't get enough, the sticky grenades would blow up before I put enough onto the Stormbird. So I think because I have the lower version rope caster, because I think yours ties them down for twice the amount that mine does. Yeah, it's like a full minute. Yeah, when they start blowing up, I think is when like the final like strings are breaking from them being tied down. Uh, okay. Yeah. So basically what happens with mine is that they'll break free early because they'll start the, the, the bombs will start blowing up on them. So, yeah. but it's still more, no, I was going to say more effective, but it is faster than when I freeze them. Just not as fun. So I feel like <laughs> nail now. <laughs> Where's the challenge, you know? So, um, yeah, through that door, there was, so that door, like, well, one, the door was open before, but now it's cl- like, even you, you go through one door and immediately there's another closed door. You got to find another way through and you do, and you get inside and there's a hollow projector and Aloy turns it on. Thank you for being here, everyone. 
I suppose it's not every day you get to have cocktails inside an active volcano, right? <laughs> Unless you're George, and I can hardly blame him for drinking on the job. <laughs> None of this would be here without our beloved director, Kenny Chow. Here's to you, Kenny. You put a cork in the Yellowstone Caldera. <laughs> I'd say you deserve a margarita. Welcome <laughs> classes, everyone. I'd like to add something. This effort wouldn't have been possible without our lead programmer. Thank you, Anita, for bringing us our real mastermind. Cyan. I'll second that, Director Chow. All right, Cyan. What's our latest number? The current count is 1,654. <laughs> <laughs> well, then drink up, everyone. Here's to 1,654 more years without an eruption. <laughs> so we we kind of find out what Project Firebreak is. Not necessarily directly. It's not like they're saying this is what fire what Firebreak is, but you just got to listen to the conversation. Uh, but it was a project to stop the Yellowstone Caldera from erupting, and it worked. So, and however it works, the spirit is at the center of it, and the spirit, you know, quote unquote, name is Cyan. It's not a spirit at all. It's a it's an AI built by Anita. Surprise! You know? Yeah, surprise! Like it's not an actual supernatural entity, <laughs> you know. So, uh, with Firebreak working, Cyan predicts that the Yellowstone Caldera will not erupt for another. 1,654 years. And if you couldn't guess, Project Firebreak is inside of a volcano. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that thing they just kept calling the mountain before. Like, well, I think we said it before. It's, it's, it's clearly a volcano with that much smoke coming out of it. So, that's what Project Firebreak is. It was, it was an effort to stop the Yellowstone Caldera from erupting. So, and I think they kind of, because I was like, I, I, I think it was the second time I had to look it up. I was like, there's a volcano in Yellowstone? And so I actually <laughs> looked it up. I was like, what happens if it erupts? And everything that I'm reading says, it's probably not going to erupt. If it erupts, it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> so, so I'm assuming like there's some type of conspiracy theory or worry that some people have uh, some type of worry that uh, this mountain, not the mountain, sorry, this uh, volcano in real life is going to erupt and the game devs just kind of use that. Right. Well, you know, the super volcano and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I like this conversation because as I was running around, I was like, Am I in Yellowstone right now? And just like exploring <laughs> the areas. <laughs> There's other things that like like quests inside things that are like, okay, yeah, obviously you are, but just like seeing the environment and there's like geysers and stuff. I was like, huh. I've never been here in real life, but like I feel like this is what it would look like without the snow. Right. Yeah. yeah. So like there's other things around. The, the the area around the cut that kind of tell you that you're in Yellowstone. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, but that's we we do find out what Project Firebreak actually is. Uh, so through the glass, you can actually see the cauldron door that Araya talked about. And it's different though. Like we're used to being like cauldrons being blue. This cauldron's like purple. It's emitting a purple light. And there are machines down there. It's just a watcher, a stalker, and a scorcher. And uh, when Aloy gets to the door after you destroy those things, because like you know it's not that big of a deal, you just go down there and you know open up a can of whoop ass on them, 
and that's the end of it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, once you actually go to the door and try to override it, the daemon calls a demonic thunderjaw. My only issue with this fight is that my terror blast arrows could not get the disc launchers off. I spent more time trying to get those disc launchers off than actually fighting the actual Thunderjaw. Like, I shot those disc launchers with, like, three or four Terror Blast arrows, and they did not come off. So, I'm a lot more brave than I was starting the game, and I was, like, I was right next to him. I probably could have gotten stomped on, but I was, like, before I start tying him down, let me get these launchers off. And from a distance, I couldn't get his right. It was on the left, but his right. I couldn't get that one off. So I got closer, shot it off, and I could see the other one on the other side. So, because I used my focus, and I just right. slow mode shot it, and it shot off right away. So I was like, all right, no. time to go. My, my issue though is this is the fight after, after I used those disc launchers. I ran out of wire. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is where it happened. Uh, yeah, for me, the launches would not come off with Terror Blast arrows. So I just started shooting with Hardpoint arrows. Like, I'll freeze, I froze it. You know, I froze the Thunderjaw. Started shooting with Hardpoint arrows. I shoot one of the, one of the disc launches comes off because I'm shooting with Hardpoint arrows, but it comes off and drops right into the lava. I'm like, well, can't use that one. And I'm like, you know what? I'm already halfway through it. I might as well just finish this thing with arrows. And that's what I did. That's what I ended up doing. I kind of felt like, I mean, I had NPC help, but whatever. I kind of almost felt like you when you did that cauldron without taking damage. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I did get hit in the beginning, I will say. But then after that, I was just like dodging and shooting. And even after running out of wire, I was still... Still pretty good because even though there's two other people there, if you're really hurting them, they're going to ignore them. Yes, they are. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, after destroying the thunder jaw, Aloy is able to open the cauldron door, and inside it doesn't look like a cauldron as we know it, it looks like a cauldron that was built around another structure, you know. And you can see like purple cables like twisting around like machine parts. And Araya says that everything has changed. It's all twisted. And the path she used to use to, to, to get to the spirit is gone. And Aloy says they'll find a new path. And that actually ends the Firebreak quest. And starts a new quest called the Forge of Winter. And, uh, yeah, I mean, some parts of the facility look like a cauldron. Others don't. And Aratak's like, oh, this place is built for machines, not people. I'm like, thanks, dude. Like, <laughs> you know, that, yeah, that, that, that's true. Uh, yeah, but most of the place, I mean, most of like this cauldron is you traversing it and trying to find a way to get Artok and Araya to where you are. Which I don't understand because they like follow you. And I think there's a couple things you have to climb up to this point and they just follow you. Why can't they just jump across <laughs> certain <laughs> spots like you? Uh, but whatever. Yeah, like, you have to use, like, flying transports and the holds on the walls to, like, traverse over to certain places. And then you override something and it builds a bridge for them. Yeah, that's how that works. So, um, Aloy, she does reach a door that she has to override to get through. And when she does, she actually frees Cyan for a brief moment. To any human responder, my systems have been compromised by a malware daemon of unknown origin. Trace routes have confirmed this entity's designation as Hephaestus. It must be stopped at all costs. 
It has reconfigured this facility to build positive facility. Recapture imminent. I have attached additional data to them. So, you know, we find out that the daemon is actually Hephaestus of Project Zero Dawn fame. So, and Hephaestus was the was the program or part of Gaia that was charged with building the machines. And I want I want you to remember that. It was charged with building the machines, not creating the machines. <laughs> okay, because I'm going to say something about that later on. Building, not creating. Because specifically, Margot Shin says that Hephaestus is not the architect. Gaia is the architect. Hephaestus uh... is the knowledge of how to build it. That's what she said. Not me. That's what she said. That makes more <laughs> so, sense. Especially yeah. something later on, but we'll get to that. Yeah, so that's why yeah. I, I want you to remember that, okay? Uh, so the, the next area that you're in has a bunch of scorchers, multiple scorchers, I think like two, and a bunch of shell walkers. And I did not give a crap about the scorchers. I'm like, oh, a bunch of shell walkers? This is going to suck. <laughs> like, they suck to fight. Shell walkers suck to fight. Uh, but luckily, you know, when I aggro the, sh- the scorchers, Artok and Araya just like took care of all of the shell walkers. They killed every last one of the shell walkers. I fought both scorchers. I'm like, see, this is a partnership that's working out. They were very helpful. However, <laughs> I really messed this one up because I didn't have wire. So it wasn't just like I had my, um, Oh my god, rope caster, my trip wire, like uh, there's a couple of arrows that I usually use that need wire. So I was like really low in resources. And I was like, maybe right. I can self stealth my way through. First time I tried it, the scorcher actually jumps on my face. Uh, because they, they jump across the stuff. It did, right, didn't yeah. work out. The second time I was a little bit more stealthy. I get to the door and I was like, I didn't see any bridge I had to unlock. So I tried to stealthily ro- walk around. And find the bridges and then aggroed everything. So then I ran back to where they were so we could take care of stuff. Oh, yeah. I did this a fight in probably the most in- inefficient way possible. Like, I just fought them on that like that little bridge that goes to the right. I just yeah. fought both of them there and then killed them because the ice rail. It was the, <laughs> the I should have used the ice rail at that point. But yeah. I, I got destroyed because both Scorchers jumped up and just kept both of them were attacking me specifically. And they so, attacked fast. Yeah, and they attacked yeah, that fast. Could become a, uh, yeah, they can become a problem real fast. And I, I ate my little potion thing that they, like the the herbs and stuff. The fire resist? Yeah. No, oh, I should have. Oh. That would have been smart. But I was eating my <laughs> herbs and I couldn't eat it fast enough. You could hear my health going up, quote unquote, yeah. after I died. <laughs> oh, so, really? <laughs> yeah. Just like five seconds oh, too late. Wow, yeah. Yeah, that area, like it could have been... Super fun because it had like the low, it had like a low ground and then the high areas to go up on too. So it could have been a real fun fight. But with all the shell walkers there, that's what made it not a fun fight for me. But well, I, that's what it made, uh, that's what had, it was on my mind. Like, I don't feel like fighting all the shell walkers, but it turned out not even be a big problem. Right. I know when you, when you enter the area though, I, I first thought that, oh man, they're going to drop a frost claw because there's a bunch of like Trent carrier transports carrying frost claws across the map. I saw that too. That was also scary. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's four of them. I was like, yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> but I was like, oh, they, they just kept going. So that was cool. But um, shortly after that, you find another override that allows you to talk to Cyan. 
And long story short, she found a way to destroy most of the facility while keeping the backups in place. Uh, So that's how she proposes to destroy Hephaestus, you know, to keep him from using the facility. But at this point, we still don't really know what he's using the facility for besides building Frost Claws, you know, and and Scorchers, apparently. Uh, But uh, the next area is like a time climbing area, and I did not like it. I just don't like having to wait for for stuff like that. And even though... It's only a few seconds. Yeah, I uh, thought I missed something because the puzzle was taking me so far off into the distance when like the the bridge was like right there. So I got off the puzzle to be like, did I miss something? Because I would really hate myself if I did. I did the same thing. I stopped and I was like, oh, you're supposed to go all the way around. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't really have an issue besides jumping off there i think it was more fun than the cauldrons because it was like a little bit more in depth but it also like there was no thinking about it you just follow the path yeah exactly it's not like they took the time to make like a puzzle or something yeah. like that and there were like some watchers that like three hard tip arrows on one and it was dead yeah 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 not a not a threat <laughs> yeah. at all so uh but so shortly after that, you found an audio log from Kenny called The Last Goodbye, and it kind of lays out mostly what's happening. Uh, so Kenny find out, he found out that Anita was working with the military on a way to stop the swarm, so she's actually working on Project Zero Dawn. Uh, she asked him to send data samples of Cyan's emotional responses, and he's kind of like, why would you do that? Like, we tried to hide that you know, from people. We tried to hide these emotional, these, these samples because, you know, I think we talked about before, there's like a legal limit to sentience with artificial intelligence. And he sent it to her, but clearly it's like she was working on Project Zero Dawn. They're building an AI. She needs it to build Gaia, right. <laughs> you know. Uh, but Kenny doesn't understand how an AI is going to help against the power robots. I think at this point, he doesn't realize that everybody's going to die. Like, he does not have all the information. That there is no hope for current humanity. You're all going to die. Uh, and, you know, also the reason she needs Firebreak shut down and undetectable. And this is not what they didn't say this in the log. But you can assume that she needs undetectable because she does not want the swarm to detect and destroy it. Or worse, hack it and take it over. Because Firebreak, at the center of Firebreak is this artificial intelligence. What happens if the swarm comes and hacks the intelligence? You right. know, that just that just makes things worse. And also her her job is to make sure this thing doesn't erupt, right? So if they take it over or destroy it, then who's going to make sure that it doesn't erupt? Because the amount of time that they gave, I think, in the beginning would only be like a few hundred years past this point. And they didn't know how many years, I guess, after, like how long it would take to rebuild humanity. So what happens if you rebuild it and then this volcano erupts? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, um, you know, and of course, Kenny is sulking over not being able to see Anita again. (laughs) You know, that's one of the main, that's one of the, the, one of the main parts of this, this log, but he's also having trouble with what he has to tell Cyan. You know, because they've been masking her level of sentience. There is a, a report from the MIE that you find earlier that detected she was above the legal limit, but then they thought it was a false positive. And, you know, we know that Anita argued with Kenny earlier that in order for Cyan to do her job, she needed to have enough intelligence to be above the enough intelligence to be above the legal limit. And they knew that was going to lead to her having emotions, which is Cyan having emotions. Uh, so. 
you know, cyan says, I mean, sorry, Kenny says a cyan is human in every way that matters. And so he's kind of having a tough time. It's like, how is he going to present this information to her? You know, that she has to basically take a, a, a long, long nap. <laughs> so, and when she comes back, nobody's going to be here. So, uh, a little further, you find a data point and you find out that Dodd Blevins died. <laughs> Did you get that one? What? No. Yeah. You, Dodd Blevins, he's, he died. He disappeared in 2046. He died at Purple Mountain inside of Yellowstone. His body was brought down by ice that melted during the, like a warm winter. And that's how they found his body. What? <laughs> yeah, like he, he died. Now, if you missed the logs from the visitor center, you would not know that this, like, because you hear about Dodd Blevins and then you get this in the firebreak facility. But if you, there are logs in and around the visitor center that explain how this kind of happened. So he took a snowmobile up into the mountain. And one of the employees at the visitor center saw him. So he's been giving the employees at the visitor center, like, uh, a really hard time. Like, he went there. He was like, this place has no operational value. Uh, we're going to go ahead and shut it down. The, um, the manager there got into arguments with him, and he put her on a blacklist to never get hired again ever anywhere. Uh, and so, like, you know, because that's the type of person he was. So... All these people are losing their jobs in two weeks because of him, essentially. But then again, you know, they shut down. And you find this out later. They shut down Yellowstone for Project Firebreak. They wanted Fire Project Firebreak to be a complete secret. They didn't want the public to know, uh, probably because it will be a nice target for terrorists, <laughs> you know. So uh, the people in the visitor center lost their job. There's a uh, we're, we're going to talk about side quests later where the people in the dam they also lost their job because you know they need like they didn't want anybody else in pro in, in the area, so they were going to probably lose their jobs anyway. But Blevins did not make it easy. <laughs> oh them. no, I did see so, the, the 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 ski the whatever snowmobile. What was it? Snowmobile. Mo yeah, the snowmobile. I saw that one, but I didn't see like any of these other ones. So. So, okay, so yeah, he he took a snowmobile up into the mountain, and one of the employees at the visitor center saw him, but they did not, Blevins did not see him, or her, sorry. And, you know, he was super disrespectful to them, like I said, and so as a prank, the employee changed the directions for the sign and sent him up a trail that was impossible for the snowmobile to operate. And so she thought he would have to abandon the snowmobile and walk back to the lodge, but he never made it back to the lodge and died. <laughs> I didn't catch that. I read that and I didn't catch the end part because the end part was like, a, oopsie, that was a mistake. But I didn't put all of that together. Because you need to what you need to catch the last log oh, in, no. in the in the in the, the firebreak facility or in, in this cauldron. Which is called an epsilon, but it's a, the 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 data point is somebody who used to work there. Uh, used to work at Firebreak, not at the visitor center, but working at Firebreak, sending a message to somebody else that used to listen to Firebreak. It's like, ah, look what happened to Blevins, <laughs> you know, ha ha. <laughs> and so I don't think they knew what the employees at the visitor center did, or what that employee at the visitor center did. They just thought he went up into the mountains. And died, you know, like he 
died. By the way, his name is not Dodd. It's it's a short version of his name. His name is Dodger. That's <laughs> somehow is Dodger even Blevins. worse. <laughs> it is. <laughs> his name is Dodger Blevins. So sorry to all the people out there named Dodger. Like, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So that's the thing. He died. Gone. That's that's the end of Dodger <laughs> Blevins. Uh, so it's so satisfying to read once you put all those pieces together. So. <laughs> but uh, once you get past that, you hear the voice of the daemon getting louder. It's like saying commands and, you know, just doing computer stuff. <laughs> and uh, Araya recognizes the area as the altar. She called it the altar before. And she's like, this is the altar. And he desecrated it. And you can see the, cyan, the module that Cyan is housed in. And it's surrounded by this purple light. And you got to use one of those light puzzles to solve it. So once Aloy solves the puzzle, Cyan is able to speak. Partial recovery initiated. Caldera of Yellowstone Analytic Nexus online. Spirit of the Blue Light, it's Aurea, your servant, your friend. Please tell me how to aid you. Aurea, the daemon is building hunter killers, thousands of them. Several new elite units have already been released. To counter this threat, much of the facility must be destroyed. Recapture imminent. Go to the core chain. I will try to read the technical strength. One has been closed, but I am That's all we're gonna get from here. Destroy this fortress? Is that even possible? And what will happen to the spirit if we do? I don't know. But I think that's the core. The answers are down there. Hephaestus. The daemon. There's no way it left it unguarded. It's going to throw everything it has at us. I would ask you to let Aloy and I do what must be done and save yourself. But I already know the answer. Then lead us into battle. So, I mean, first off, we find out that Cyan stands for Caldera of Yellowstone Analytic Nexus. That's what Cyan stands for. And she tells us that Hephaestus has been creating a new type of new types of hunter-killer machines in the facility and have only released some so far, which, you know, we've seen the Scorcher. We've seen the frost claw, and he must, you know, the facility must be destroyed. And so she tells you to go to the core, uh, but then she's recaptured by Hephaestus. And Aratak doesn't want Araya to go, but he knows that she will go anyway, so he just kind of leaves it alone. And so the group heads toward the core. They free it from Hephaestus' cables, but then a new robot attacks the fire claw. So, which is, you know, just the alternate version of the Frost Claw, even though I will say, well, I mean, obviously it does the same type of attacks, but with fire, you know, okay. (laughs) And uh, I do feel like they're more powerful, though. When you get hit by them, they do more damage. I think so, too. Yeah. Yeah. So the only good thing is, like, as soon as I see fire, I'm like, oh, ice rail time, (laughs) you know? And yeah, so the ice rail is just super clutch. When it comes to fighting fire claws, I almost feel like it attacks more frequently too. 
Yeah, it was a little more dangerous. I think it broke out of the rope caster faster as well. It, it's just a frost claws are already aggressive. It was more aggressive than the frost yeah. claw. And so, you know, control towers appear too. You have to destroy them so you can keep your armor up and on top of that, keep it from healing the fire claw. And every time I think a, a, a tower appeared, you need, like, but uh, scrappers will come out. And so you have to fight them too. Uh, I only had one tower show up. Ooh, and I, I only had watchers. I don't think I had scrappers. Yeah, I, I, had the, I had the very first one. No, yeah, I had two towers appear. I'm pretty sure I had two towers appear after you take down the first one. Hmm. Yeah, I only maybe sure. I did it. Maybe I did it faster because you're playing on a harder difficulty. Though you were using the ice rail, I was just panicking. So, uh. <laughs> <laughs> but because yeah. I tied it down, I I gather they give you a lot of resources going up to this point. So I had some wire, so I was able to tie it down like twice. So I tied yeah. it down and dealt with the machines, which I thought were only watchers. But maybe the other two, if there were scrap. There were scrappers. I didn't fight them. The other two took them down because I, oh, okay. after the battle, there was a scrapper corpse. Part, I did yeah. not see it. Gotcha. Okay. So, you know, as a last ditch effort to stop Aloy from overriding the core, Hephaestus electrocutes her and knocks her and Aratok back. But Araya gets up and she overrides the core, but she's like shocked to death in the, in the process. And Cyan initiates a char, a, yeah, like a, a chain reaction that will destroy the compromised parts of the facility and they have to leave. And Aratok's like in shock, but Aoi pulls him out by, by telling him like, you know, your Banuke prevail and survive. You know, I think I was saying endurance or endure and prevail before, but so like survive and prevail, I think. Survive and prevail. Oh, sorry, I said that backwards. Survive and <laughs> prevail your Banuke. What else matters? I think is like, well, yeah, their thing. Yeah. So Aratok can escape by hitching a ride on one of the flying transports. They barely make it out before the facility explodes. I do like uh, Aratok's expression as they're flying out of that little crack. He's like, oh, great Banu Kai. <laughs> like, you know, like, it was just funny. I <laughs> first, love and hated this whole part because it was so like give me a grenade like he just so happened to have like a grenade on him and he like because he's always prepared that's why he was the chieftain right yeah <laughs> Aloy doesn't have one even though I throw grenades at everything and then like she hits this one thing that throws him out into the specific hole the one hole in the entire like, it was just so much yeah I just yeah the, like, the, the, I, I liked it because this is the only time you can see worry on his face ever right <laughs> Like, this is too much. Uh, so, uh, Aloy, she does mention that Cyan was transferring herself to the auxiliary facility. So, Artox says he'll meet her there, you know, once they're out of the facility safely. And Aloy travels the facility, and Artox is talking with Cyan. All of my interactions with Aurea were recorded and stored in my memory. I'd be happy to play any of them for you. But there was one in particular I thought you would want to see first. I captured it four years ago, just after I told her that I could no longer defend myself against the daemon's attacks. I will speak of this to my brother. Aratak is strong. At the Battle of the Frozen Ghosts, he took three Karja arrows and still came back to camp carrying a wounded scout. Never was I so happy to see him, or so proud. 
So you see, if anything can be done to defend you, he will give it all he has. Aloy's here. That's enough for now. We can resume any time you like, Aratak. If you want to hear her voice again. Come closer, Aloy. We have much to discuss. Cyan played a audio log for Aratak of Araya talking about how strong he was. And saying that they, this is when Cyan was saying that she needed help in uh, Aratak. And sorry, Araya said that Aratak, if, if anybody could help you, it'll be him. You know, so... Uh, Aloy, she then speaks with Cyan after that. So this has to be the longest dialogue conversation in the game. Because if you listen to every part, it's 20 minutes long. It gives you so much information, though. I feel like you get more information from this dialogue than you did in the entire game. I swear, it's just so much. And then you get like closure also on some side quests. Like, she just gives you so much information. She does, yeah. Like, because you're actually talking to a, to an actual AI. So, the only thing that was, for better or worse, alive back then. You know, right. so she can give you tons of information. So, I mean, we already knew, but Cyan does confirm that she was an AI. And, you know, she was alone for centuries, but Araya finding her, she says, is what really saved her. I mean, in multiple ways, because she needed parts to kind of, I guess, reconstitute herself. Uh, but Araya, you know, just being able to talk to somebody and not being alone was super helpful, you know, to her. And uh, so Aloy, she asked if Hephaestus was destroyed, and the answer is no, because he was never there. He was just controlling her uh, remotely. And you find out that he was able to infiltrate Cyan after she accepted a network request from him because she was like desperate for contact. She thought it was maybe an advanced human civilization contacting her. And you got to also keep in mind that Cyan had no idea what was really happening. Right. Like she probably didn't know. She didn't know about Project Zero Dawn. She probably didn't know. I don't know. Maybe Kenny did tell her about the swarm and why they had why she had to shut down. But she she, she it's almost like a person. Just find, like, you know, finding out about this, but then all having to kind of like, cause she, well, I mean, I know she did hibernate for some time. I don't know when she came back online, but she was awake for centuries, mm-hmm. you know? So, but she says, you know, she never tells you what Hephaestus wanted her to do, but I, I do have theories, right? Um, I think Hephaestus, ne- Hephaestus, sorry, needed her to come up with better killing machines. Because like I said, Hephaestus' job wasn't to develop the machines. It was to build the machines. Gaia developed the machines. You know? And he probably used science AI to develop new and more dangerous machines. Now, I don't know if that's how we got the Thunderjaw, how we got the Sawtooth, how we got the Ravagers, or even the Stalkers. I don't know if that's how we got that because there's no timeline associated because with when he took over cyan like i the red raids only lasted for 10 years so it wasn't from the time hephaestus was free well you can ask her how long it was and he said she said five years ago she received a direct connection request yeah and that's the thing the sawtooth showed up 10 years ago right so i mean hephaestus had to do that on his own right yeah, and Thunderjaws were more recent than that, I think. Yeah, so, like, because like, if you, like, kind of look up the, 
you know, uh, Cauldron Epsilon on the wiki, it calls it a research and development cauldron. So that like it, it's that's what I'm thinking. Like it was he used that AI to help come up with more, even more dangerous machines. Right. You know. So, the, the, but they never really confirmed that because, like I said, he wasn't supposed to come up with machines on his own. But then again, like may like he had to come up with the sawtooth on his own, and then the Ravager. But maybe he's like, man, this isn't really working out. I need something even more dangerous, <laughs> you know. And that's when you start getting the Thunder Jaws. That's when you start getting the Frost Claws. That's when you start getting the Scorchers, because everything else, like in terms of hunter killers, everything else is you know was made before the rock breakers have a purpose the mm-hmm. storm birds had a purpose to like clean the air you know it's just the sawtooth ravagers uh thunderjaw scorcher and fire slash frost claws that are the hunter killers but she said i think she said he developed thousands of hunter killers but only deployed a few See, uh, it was just so much information i feel like i missed so much i got like the core of what she was trying to say but it was so much <laughs> yeah i mean technically speaking like because he wouldn't even like let's say cyan was the the mind behind these hunter killers he has thousands of them ready like you know basically the 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 architecture for thousands of them he could just build them at this point see when i think when i when she said thousands of them i thought she meant just thousands of them period not thousands of designs maybe i i've kind of read as thousands of designs because i don't think he made i mean did he make thousands of the frost claws because he really only we only saw him in one location well know, i'm so. not saying thousands of frost claws i'm saying thousands of hunter killers right i mean how we don't know how many facilities would be around the world at the or not facilities but cauldrons would be around the world at this point right that's true yeah so that's why i think that's why when she said thousands or a thousand or whatever i was like oh that makes sense if it's like the entire world that he's deploying these machines there we go true that i is would say creatures true, so. but i was like they're not they're not creatures they're not right alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so but that's my theory that he used her to develop these new machines and cyan has a theory about why hephaestus would want to create machines that hunt humans in the first place. And she, you know, she talks about how humans destroy the machines that he creates and the machines that are part of the terraforming system. And so Hephaestus believes that the humans are the danger to the terraforming system and therefore are making machines to keep them from killing other machines, you know, or keep them from hunting the machines. Because technically speaking, if they over hunt the machines, they will mess up the terraforming system. Like, they'll destroy the terraforming system. Because those... I mean, I would imagine, and it's off cycles, the storm bird is still cleaning the air. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the snap maws are still cleaning the oceans. <laughs> you know. The terraforming system is still at work. And obviously, it. Uh, I would say the terraforming system didn't get everything 100% right because... The cut was Yellowstone. It's not supposed to be that cold there. Right. Uh, the jewel was a desert before. Yeah. And it's a jungle now. <laughs> you know. Well, I don't want to say they didn't get everything right. I think there there is mention before that, you know, since the terraforming system starting 
from, I guess, the beginning, certain places are going to have different types of um, environments. Right. So I guess they're doing what makes sense for those areas at whatever climate the world was at at that point. Yeah. Because they had to start over. That's true. That's true. So I mean, Cyan says that, you know, destroying a festival, like, you know, she says that even if, uh, you know, people stop hunting the machines or a group stop hunting the machines, that's not going to stop Hephaestus from keeping them making more and more dangerous machines. She says the best solution is to reconstitute the AI that controlled it before and get it back under control. I'm like, yeah, sure. No problem. Easy order. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so. But, uh, you know, Cyan will ask Aloy if she should tell Aratok the truth about everything. And she was careful with Araya because she knew that Araya wasn't technologically advanced. She knew that Araya thought she was some type of spirit. And so you do have a flashpoint where you get to choose. And one option is you got to tell them the truth. Another option is use your judgment. And the other, the last option is like take it gently. So which one did you choose? I said take it gently, which I feel like even if I wasn't going for all compassion at this point is kind of what I would say anyway, because I think just saying, hey, she's not really a spirit, like the blue light, blah, 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 like this isn't really, that's not going to land that well. You kind of have to level set with just people in general and then kind of slowly sprinkle in the info. So she did. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say that the conversation was how she was saying how life is hard for the the Banuk and the, the world is unforgiving and their beliefs help them to keep going. So just take it easy on them and eventually, you know, they'll they'll come around uh, just as long as they don't end up worshiping you. And she's like, yeah, I think that would be really uncomfortable. And Aloy's like, yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's what, I was gonna say. that's what Aloy did with the Nora after the the mountain when she came back out. She didn't mm-hmm. just she didn't tell him like, nah, like this is not what you think it is. She says, yeah, the ma- the goddess told me that I, I I was born to just stop a demon, you know, stuff like that, or right. stop a curse. But uh, I chose use your judgment because uh, you know Aloy just tells her to keep using her judgment like she did with Araya and eventually drop the superstitious stuff. And Cyan says, well, she can't predict how they'll react because they think she's a spirit. You know, and I'm like, well, yeah, but it is what it is. But uh, you can also, like, if you say you got to tell them the truth, Aloy says she should tell them that they were, that she should tell that the Banuk that she was made by the old ones. And, you know, Cyan is actually worried that she misled Aurea, but Aloy assures her, like, that wasn't, like, a problem for Aurea. Like, Aurea was just interested in her as a person or a machine, so. Uh, but that was like the end of the conversation. There's a bunch of other stuff you can talk about. Like I said, this is a 20 minute like dialogue. If you go through the entire thing. It's so, so much. I, I think my favorite part that stuck out to me is that Cyan says that she can talk to Aloy more of a, uh, um, oh my God, what's the word? Uh, a, a colleague colleague there we go i was like companion co-worker what is it yeah <laughs> she was like yeah I c- you you have technical you know knowledge so i can speak to you more like a colleague and i was like ah, another point where people think Aloy's smarter than what she really is though she is more yeah. advanced than the banuk i wouldn't she, she's not really on the level of an ai that was created by the old ones right yeah i mean she probably could get on Cylon's level. Right. If 
she stayed there. Now, honestly, if I was silenced, as soon as Aloy left, I would have probably came and started talking to Cyan. Oh, she's yeah. interested in talking to people, but like, you know, he might eventually do that, but there's no uh nothing in the game that shows us that that's what he's gonna do. But yeah. that I mean, like, she would give him an, an incredible amount of uh, information. information. And to be fair, I'm not saying Aloy is like stupid or anything she's just naive she doesn't know what she doesn't know she's just now coming into this information so she just doesn't have all or any of the answers i mean it makes total sense i mean silence has to be twice the age of aloy oh yeah and he's been doing this for so much longer probably yeah. since before she was born <laughs> you know so of course it makes a ton, a ton of sense that he's just way more advanced than than she is right yeah so uh science she does discuss you know ai and like she tells like, oh yeah there was all these different types of ais but her abilities were kept secret because they were above the legal limit and aloy thinks it's weird to create life and then impose limits on it and i'm like that's because you haven't seen our movies bro <laughs> like you, ha- <laughs> you haven't seen what happens so but uh you know aloy she's worried that the, since the facility was destroyed that the caldera may erupt and silent cyan is like you know tells her like i was i was awake for centuries and she developed backup systems and learned how to be more efficient so the caldera is actually going to be stable for like another three thousand three hundred thirty seven years so that's that's a bonus um aloy she brought up the device we found during that banuke side mission with vilgrind i forget what it was actually called and she actually thinks that that was a part of gaia she says that you know that's why the machines were signaled to be calm because Gaia would have had control over the, you know, how calm the machines were. So, and I'm like, okay, well, I just figured it was like some type of module, but like if it was an actual part of Gaia's code, maybe that's why. Um, she does bring up the metal flowers. Aloy brings up the metal flowers. And, and uh, I was going to say silence, sorry, but Cyan thinks it's another one of the subroutines like Festus. And I'm like, yeah, like, I think we talked about that. Like, it's 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 Demeter, like, you know, yeah. probably. <laughs> yeah, I, I looked into it, too, and I was like, oh, it's Demeter. Because um, she brought up the the poems, too. And I was like, I actually don't know anything about their creator, which is Na- Naoto, I think is how you say it. And the only mention right. of this alpha outside of ha- them being in the room and dying was in one of Sobek's journal saying how they responded to an issue that she had in less than a minute with a poem. So, like, that's right. the one connection to it there. Right, yeah. So, I mean, I, I think in the next few, in the, well, the next few games, I, I can't imagine they're going to have, like, a four or five. Like, they're probably going to have at least three Horizon games. <laughs> There's going to be one for every function. Yeah, unless they can master Chief <laughs> it and figure out how to make a new problem once she's fixed the original, <laughs> you know, the original problem. So, but, yeah, I do think we're going we're gonna to see more of the, of the, of the other sub, subordinate functions when Forbidden West comes out. But uh, Cyan knew who both Ted Farrow and Elizabeth Sobek were. Uh, she said that Farrow actually financed the Firebreak project, which we kind of knew if you looked at the data points, because that's how, that's how Dodger got his job, because Farrow actually sent him to oversee security for Firebreak. Uh, so this was actually before he started building the war machines. He was once held as the man who saved the world, you know? And she also says that Elizabeth was one of the greatest scientists of her time and says that her creator, Anita, was influenced by Elizabeth. So when Elizabeth probably reached out about creating a new AI, she jumped right on top of that, (laughs) you know. So she also talked about um, what it was like 
back then and that she was created at a turning point in time uh, because the climate change had caused 20% of the human population to die off. So there was a lot of focus on environmental programs to save Earth, and she was one of them. Like having the caldera not explode was uh, a, an attempt to keep humans alive. And Pharaoh was, he was one of the companies leading the charge on this. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure, like, when you go to Maker's End, he was like, like the Pharaoh Automated Systems was like the leader in like environmental technology. Yeah, so I was confused. That, I was confused about that because I saw that right after they mentioned that I think they mentioned that Elizabeth left to do her own environmental endeavors. So I was like, wait, if Elizabeth left, did they just do the same thing as each other? Like I was really confused about that information. Well, I'm pretty sure Elizabeth left because they were switching to military as they were switching oh. to war machines. But she was there and like that's how they made all their money because before the environmental stuff, they just made servitors and it was going okay. But once they started the environmental stuff, that is when he they made all of their money and they took all of that money and turned it into the war machines, which then in turn destroyed the earth. That timeline makes sense. So it's crazy. I was really confused. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy that he, he saved the planet, made a bunch of money doing it and made the machines that destroyed humanity. It's all about the money. He saw where you could <laughs> chase the money. And yeah. So, uh, but after the conversation with Cyan, she just transferred an audio log with the last conversation she had with Kenny Chow. And I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but she basically just shows that she was going to be scared to be alone after the hibernation. And, and Kenny stayed with her until she was in hibernation. So sad. I didn't I totally forgot to listen to this because the conversation was so long. Like the she tells you really within the first yeah. like five minutes, like, oh, I'm going to transfer this data log that you can listen to. I was like sick. Totally forgot about it. So I only read it. I feel like I would have been very upset listening to it. <laughs> Yeah, the only reason I even knew it was there because as soon as you as soon as you back out from talking to her, it pops up and I hit the hit the button to listen to it immediately. I'm gonna have some. It's not. I'm gonna have a brag complaint, but because I'm playing on this ultra wide and everything shows up on the bottom right, I did not notice it when I got out of the cutscene. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. that's how. That, like as soon as it shows, I'm playing on a regular monitor. <laughs> I think this regular is 27 inch monitor, 49 inches. So, oh yeah, yeah. Well, congratulations on that. You missed it. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So after that, you go outside the facility and you can find Artok and talk to him. My chieftain. Just Aloy. As you wish. I wondered if you thought that if I'd never come along, Araya might still. If you'd never come along, I would have marched my kin to our deaths. Araya would be alone. And the spirit she sacrificed so much for would be lost. Either way, I would not have been able to protect her. She was willing to fight. She wouldn't let anything stop her. She was Banuk until the end. I was wrong. The Karja never broke her. Only made her stronger. So it wasn't your failure. It was her decision. They always said I had an unshakable will. But Araeus was the mountain I could only aspire to. Though I grieve for her passing, at last I truly know who she was, and why the spirit was so important. For so long she told me, if only you could have heard it, brother. Now I understand. There's something else, isn't there? 
I can't stay here, Aratok. And where I'm going, the Warak can't follow. Besides, it already had a chieftain before me. A strong one, I think. A wiser one, for the path we shared. The daemon is gone, but there's much to be done. You mean the new units that Cyan said escaped the cauldron? Yes, Fireclaws. Naltuk has been tracking them from Song's Edge. I could help with those. I have no doubt. You're practically Banuk. And Ayla wonders if Aratok, you know, regrets her coming around because she's like, well, if I'd never came, Araya would probably still be alive. Uh, but it doesn't sound like, like he doesn't have any problems because he's like, he says that, you know, he, he would have him and his people would have all died going back to the mountain and uh, he wouldn't have been able to protect Araya anyway. He is like the most normal, rational person in this entire game. Yeah, that's why he's a chieftain. <laughs> that's why he's a, he's, a, he's a good chieftain. So, I just, yeah. He's, he's a good dude. Because at first I thought he, the way that they introduced him it made it seem like he was going to be very hard to approach, very hard to work with or do anything with. But he just accepted everything like as it happened. Like, you're going to challenge me? That's stupid. Like, And then you challenge him. He's like, well, you won. I guess fair is fair. I'm like, okay. Yeah, exactly. Like He's Banuk through and through. He's like the definitive Banuk. That's right. what he is. Yeah. So, but, um, you know, you do get uh, a list of flashpoints. Like one is look at what she accomplished. You didn't let her down. Uh, she was willing to fight. So which one did you go with? Of course. I said you didn't let her down. Uh, and she said, you know, you helped her do what she wanted to find her destiny. And he's like, well, if that's destiny, I wouldn't wish it on anyone. And she's like, that's fair. But, you know, she was ready to face it. And then he says, and it's in quotations, only in the struggle against death do we find, even for a moment, the spark of life. I don't know if that's like Banuk teaching or what, uh, but he said, truly, Araya found the spark and I'm proud of her. So. Yeah. So I chose she was willing to fight and Aoi says, you know, she wouldn't let anyone stop her. And Aratok says, you know, he was wrong about the cards of breaking her. They only made her stronger. That's his response to that. And if you chose, uh, look what she accomplished. Aloy says it's because her, because of her, they were able to accomplish what they did. Uh, she understood what had to be done. And Aratok's a lot. And he says, I failed to listen. That's how that one. That's the saddest one. Oh, <laughs> man. Know? I like mine the best. The compassion yeah. <laughs> one. Yeah, so, uh, you know, he says he finally understands who she was. And Aloy tells Aratok that she can't stay and that the work can't, or where it can't follow her. And Aratok says he's wiser a wiser chieftain for dealing with Aloy and then he asks you to kill the remaining fire claws and goes about his business. It's really, that's a really strange one. He was like, yeah, now Tuck has been tracking these fire claws and she's like, yeah, I can handle it. He's like, okay. And then like walks, <laughs> walks away, which was kind of funny. I'm going back to me and the chieftain now. Goodbye. Outlander. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, uh, after you talk to Aratok or you can actually do some reverse. You can actually talk to Aratok first if you want to. And then go talk to Cyan, whichever order you go. After you get finished talking, Silence hops back on your focus. It would seem your time among the Manuk was to waste after all. Firebrick, Cyan, Hephaestus, all very interesting. So the signal that woke Hades woke Hephaestus too, and unleashed them on the world. His minds of their own. So it seems. Parts of Gaia given life. Apparent life, transformed from docile subordinate functions into rebellious intelligences beyond our understanding. 
our current understanding anyway. Whatever they are, they're still out there. And they both want you dead. Kind of mutual, that feeling. We haven't seen the last of Hephaestus, I'm certain of that. It's powerful, creative, and driven. It won't stop building new hunter-killers, which means that someday we may have to stop it. We? Or whoever gets there first. Hephaestus wasn't the only thing I learned about in the cut silence. Heard some things about the Banuk Conclave, too. You could stop right there. Is that what you told the hunters the Banuk sent after you? Before you opened fire? Oh no, Aloy. Only to you do I extend the courtesy of a warning. My past and my secrets are my own. You'd do well to remember that. It's a good thing you've got brains, Silence, because your personality could use some work. This discussion is concluded. I think it was over before it began. Catch up with you down the trail. And yeah, they talk about the signal that woke Hades also woke Hephaestus, and Silence is like, you know, they're both out there, and they probably both want you dead. Uh, you know, says Hephaestus won't stop building hunter-killers, and they're going to have to deal with it eventually. And it's true, because, you know, Aloy is a threat to the system for both of them. Like, they one wants to destroy all life on Earth, and Hephaestus, he just wants you to stop killing his machines. Right. <laughs> you know, but you're both a threat to the system at this point. And uh, Aloy brings up what she learns about Silence, and he's like, nope, 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 don't do it. And he, t- he warns her to stay away from his past, you know. So, and it's funny because she says, you know, he's like, I, you know, he says this is a warning. And she's like, oh, did you give the, um, the, uh, oh, God, what She was what like, just called? like the warning the you gave to the trackers. And yeah. he was like, no, I didn't give them a warning. I, I only give you a warning, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, but I mean, the thing is, like, I don't want to say it's an empty threat because you silence does not want to kill Aloy. She's no. clearly the key. Like she's a, she's a key to a lot of stuff. He can start. He, he's probably going to come across more doors, more things he can't open. And Aloy is going to be the key to open that unless he can figure out how to put himself on the alpha, alpha registry. If he can do that. Yeah. That's going to be a problem for Aloy. <laughs> but also I feel like she's too good at, getting this information and even if he can't put himself on the registry she he's at the end of the day not elizabeth sobic so there's still going to be restrictions right that's true and that's the thing like he made it really far without her but then just couldn't get those doors open even though one of the places i'm pretty sure he should have went into the vents (laughs) you know we had that conversation before but uh yeah i mean he uh yeah he needs her you know Actually, they need each other. Like, she definitely needs silence, but he needs her to get even more information. So, but who knows? Like, that conversation he's having with Hades right now in the Horus, that may have some really, that may produce a lot for him. So, we'll see. After this point, because I read that if you um, do the Looming Shadow after you finish the DLC, our talk actually shows up at the final fight. And he actually okay. shows up in the same location where that other Banuk is. So, they're like side by side. Uh, um, yeah, so Aloy's like, oh, I didn't expect you to come this way. And he's like, yeah, I'm a stranger to these lands. And Araya forgave the Karja. I never did. But, you know, I was compelled to come for my once chieftain. And he mentions, like, the young Banuk, how she has, like, her spark reminds him of Araya in her in her youth. So, and he's like, mm. uh, and they're like, survive and prevail, right? There's no other way. Like, this is the way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And he said that Cyan couldn't predict the outcome of the fight, but if she could, he wouldn't want to hear it anyway. Yeah. So I, I know you can go back and talk to Cyan too, but I haven't talked to her 
Sans Cabin clearing side quests. I did. It's just that she gives you more side quest info because, like, how we did the side quest with the Banuk with the yeah. the thing. So she just goes, "Oh, you're back," or she might say a little bit, but like, it's it's nothing more in depth. She just gives you more information on the side quest that you finish that she has info on. Gotcha. Okay. Well, and that concludes the story of the DLC. The only thing that's really left is to do the side quests around the cut, which we're going to do that in the in the next episode. But Christina, how how are you feeling now? I'm so ready <laughs> to continue. Like I said, this is the most information that we've got from the entire game in such a short span of time, and just finding that info out makes me want to just play the rest of the game because I think they mentioned somewhere that like because of all of the the functions coming to life the way they came to life they're all sent sentient and they're all AIs or something is that how I saw it so I'm interested now to meet all of the other functions to see what they're like if they're all I don't want to say evil right because this one's not evil right. it's just doing its job but to see if they're all going against you or trying to help or you know i i just i'm excited about the new game yeah i don't know if i, I don't know if they're uh that's something because like, they're definitely not at the level of cyan like or cyan. gaia yeah and they're basically they're still just doing their function right like hephaestus is just trying to do his function and keep the machines from being destroyed that's all it cares about it's just one thing hades only cares about hades isn't evil it's just doing its job. It was woken up and it knows when I'm awake, this is what I do. <laughs> and that's what it was trying to do, you know? And that's why Aloy is a system threat to it because right. it's going to stop her from doing it, performing its one function. If Aloy tries to do something to stop Demeter from, you know, working, Demeter would say she's a system threat. If it tried to do something <laughs> to stop Artemis or Poseidon from working, it would say, I'm a, it's a system threat and start changing the directives to, to, to make sure it works. I do feel like they're a little smarter, though, because I think Hades was trying to overtake Gaia, which wasn't his. Right. Is that what it was? It which, is. It, 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 that was the first thing Hades oh, was supposed to do. He's supposed to overtake so he could destroy the world. Exactly. Because something. if Gaia yeah. is around, she won't allow it to happen. So right. Hades is, was supposed to isolate Gaia. And take over the terraforming system, destroy everything, and then release Gaia. That's what was supposed to happen. So he was just doing what he was programmed to do. Right. All right. Well, yeah. regardless, they are working on their own. Yes, which they're, they're not supposed to do. <laughs> and they're all supposed to be tethered to Gaia, and they right. get, they were freed. That's the problem. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So like I said, I think in Forbidden West we're gonna see more of the the other functions because I like I my theory is that the reason like there's the bite going on and stuff like that is because the terraforming system is starting to get out of control and they have to get it back under wraps. So what I don't want to see, which I'm pretty sure we are gonna see, if that theory is right, what I don't want to see is a is, is the game become a wasteland. I don't want to see that. I, I really don't. I, I enjoy the the way the the game looks and the different uh, environments, and the different environments and stuff like that. Like I really dislike 
games going from being beautiful to being wastelands. It's actually one of the reasons why I really enjoy Ori. Because in both games, you start out with these like decrepit wasteland type areas and you make it better over time. And so the game was like really good. It's the reverse. So that's what I'm, I'm wondering if not that happens, but if we're going to see like more animals and attacking animals. So instead of animals just being there for resources for you, you're going to get attacked and you have to fight animals. Or what if there's like animals that are geared up in in armor? yeah that's uh who was it was it artemis that i think artemis was in charge of the animals like if if people are killing animals too much maybe it talks to hephaestus like yo i need i need some gear for my animals right exactly (laughs) you know so but yeah but uh yeah i mean i guess we'll see soon because we're recording this the week of (laughs) the the game coming out so we really literally have like a couple days left but we also have a couple episodes left at least two because like i said we're gonna go over the side quests of the dlc and we're also going to go back and talk about a couple of things that we didn't talk about during the game because we kind of felt that we should probably wait until after the entire story was done so that's what the next two episodes are gonna be about so yeah so with that we're gonna go ahead and close up on this episode i'd like to thank everybody for listening if you want to keep up what's going on with lightkeeper protocol and the mashes buttons network you can follow us on twitter.com slash the mash network uh, Christina, where can they find you? You can find me at S'mores Pop-Tart on Twitter and Twitch. I'm actually going to be streaming New Horizon on Twitch. Uh, unless you're listening to this in the future, then I will not be. I've also, already done it. I've already done it. Uh, I'm also the host of a podcast called Wondrous Tales, which is on the network. We talk about Final Fantasy 14 content. So come and hang out with us there. Yes. And you can find me. On Twitter at Jostradamus. You can also find me streaming on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash mash those buttons uh, sometimes. And like I mentioned earlier, we love to hear your comments and questions. So please join us on Discord at mash.gg slash Discord. And you can also reach out to us via Twitter or just email at contact at mash.gg. Uh, if you enjoy the show and you want to help us out, one of the ways to do, best ways to do that is to share uh, the show with others and also to rate and review the show on your favorite podcast platform of choice. If you want to take your support a bit further, you can do so at uh, mtb.gg slash support you can see all the different ways you can support mash those buttons uh, we do have a patreon a teespring store uh, twitch subscriptions humble bundle affiliate links and even a one-time paypal donation link if you want to uh, you know prefer to support that way and i encourage everybody to stay after the show to hear more about mash those buttons and with that we are done for this episode we will see you on the next one Thanks for listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. If you enjoyed the show, you should check out mashthosebuttons.com and see if any of our other shows might interest you. All of our shows are available on your podcast platform of choice like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. If you enjoy our content, you can help support Mash Those Buttons by becoming a patron at patreon.com mashthosebuttons, where you can receive Patreon bonuses for as little as $1 a month. You can connect with Mash Those Buttons at twitter.com slash the Mash Network, facebook.com slash mash those buttons, or join our Discord at mash.gg slash Discord. 